Welcome back to Talking Risks. It's a podcast by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Every week, Ricky and I have on a business person, an entrepreneur, someone who is chasing a dream, uh, looking to make sure that their legacy gets bigger and better and more secure. And they talk about their challenges and their vision and their dreams. And by doing so, uh, Ricky and I, and hopefully the audience, we learn a lot uh, about business. We learn a lot about entrepreneurialism and we're encouraged to take a risk, right? Because uh, it's those individuals, in my opinion, that take risks that uh, really have built uh, the economy that we're in and, and can secure the economy on an ongoing basis. It's the risk takers out there, the people that are willing to put it all on the line and work their ass off uh, to create a legacy for the benefit of everybody, uh, quite frankly. Um, we have uh, uh, a guest, which we'll introduce here in a second, but I missed out on introducing our uh, editor, who happens to be my son. Anybody who's listened to this knows that it's my son who edits our podcast, and uh, it's Nick Reese. Nick didn't want a microphone, uh, but I guarantee you he does speak, uh, and uh, he's one of the funniest guys that I know, and one of the tallest guys I know. At 12 years old, he's six foot one. So he does a fantastic job, and Nick's been sitting in with us for a couple of podcasts. My name's Eric Reese. I'm a lawyer and a CPA. I own a law firm. In fact, the, the office is actually our studio where we do our podcasts when Ricky and I are not out on the road. My law firm's called Aspen Legal, and you can find it on the web at aspenlawteam. Dot com and I encourage you to do so. Ricky's my co-host. Ricky, I am Ricky Hall. I am the founder of Nutrition HQ and Nutrition HQ Franchising, and you can find me online at nhq.rocks. And our guests, I have known uh, for years, but only because my wife uh, has been friends with him for much longer. Kiwan, if you could introduce uh, yourself and, and your business. Uh, I'm Kiwan Guyton. I am the owner of Mr. Barbecue at Mystic Oak, which is in Waterloo, Illinois at 643 Ridge Road. And uh, how would you find that on the web, Kiwan? Uh, you can find it on the web at mrbarbecue@mysticoak.com. at mysticoak.com. And uh, one thing that you're going to find out is uh, Kiwan, um, just like our prior guest, has got a career that most people would be perfectly satisfied with, right? And what fascinates me about Kiwan is not only uh, is he a good guy, but also that he ain't satisfied uh, with what most people would say, hey, I'm calling it a day, I'm calling it a career. Uh, and uh, that, to me, is the most fascinating aspect of Kiwan. Something's driving him. Some entrepreneurial spirit is driving him uh, to get done with his regular job, which itself is fascinating, and say, well, the work the work day has just begun. Yeah. All right. Uh, but before we talk to Kiwan, uh, we've got a little segment that we call Hot Topics. Hot Topics. And um, today's Hot Topics is uh, consumerism post-pandemic. So I'm fascinated by uh, the money that people are spending. Uh, Jill and I went to, uh, where in the world did we go? We went to 
Flet, uh, Fletcher's. What? Fleming's. All right. Fletcher's. Fletcher's is a restaurant. Fleming's is a much more expensive restaurant. Okay. Four of us went uh, last Saturday. Uh, I'm sorry. Ago, a week ago Saturday. And uh, the place was packed. All right. And we did it all. All right. We had uh, drinks. We had appetizers. Another round of drinks. Everybody got steaks. Uh, we had dessert. And we had after-dinner drinks. You ready? The bill? Over $700. And the place is packed, all right? I'm about ready to go into cardiac arrest. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, how can we spend this much money, right? But the place was packed. That was the thing that was so fascinating to me, right? People are out there wanting to spend money. And... I don't know what's driving it. So I, re- I read a Deloitte or a, uh, a long article about Deloitte, Deloitte Financial or Deloitte Consulting. They've got so many permutations and combinations of what was once an accounting firm. And they were, and not surprisingly, they were more statistical, right? They were showing how travel, how hotels uh, that really based on the travel, even though our travel business down at the lake did amazingly well during COVID, uh, how gyms, right? How these sorts, restaurants, obviously, hospitality or traditional hospitality business really took it in the shorts when people were stuck in their homes. So that's not any great shakes. Everybody was well aware of that. But the overall spending wasn't down as much because people, guess what? They got Amazon, right? And, And they're shopping now online and they're buying gym equipment. And as we all know, they did home improvements. That's why, in part, the price of lumber quadrupled during the pandemic. And and again, uh, guys, I get it. Uh, COVID is serious, pandemic. But again, it was because of the government shutdown. That's that's what drove these things to happen. Um, And now they're talking about post-pandemic, post-government shutdown, and how people are spending their money in a different way. That's not as fascinating to me as how much money they're spending. They're spending a lot of dough out there, right? And restaurants in particular, taking a look at uh, Fleming's, uh, are really now a beneficiary if you survived, right? If you survived that long period of government shutdown. Now, interestingly, I also read a study by the University of Michigan, right? Now, these are the academicians, all right? These are not the folks that are out there, okay? I guarantee these are not the people who are running their restaurant after they're done with their day job, right? right? And they said, oh, well, post-pandemic, people are going to buy products and services that better align with their political and social views, et cetera, et cetera. And... I kind of expect that from an academician. Absolutely. But, and I do understand that the country's divided. Okay, you got your CNN group, you got your Fox News group, right? You got your Democrats, you got your Republicans, you got your whites, you got your blacks. There are forces in this country who are trying to keep us apart because they only make money if we don't trust each other. Absolutely. All right. 
My best friend in the world is Iranian and a raging liberal. I am not Iranian, and I am not a raging liberal, okay? I didn't know that about the Iranian yeah, part. But we're best friends <laughs> for 30 years. How is that possible? Because we ain't going to let them divide us. Right. Because 90% of the shit that I believe in, he believes in. It's only the 10%. And, and in that, it's mostly we disagree on how to get there. Mm-hmm. But we want the same result. Everybody wants to be safe in their homes. Everybody wants to give their kids opportunities. Everybody wants to be happy. These things are are undeniable that everybody wants. Right. Why wouldn't you want those right. things? Correct. And it got yeah. nothing to do with skin color. No, no, no. I met a guy one night, an older gentleman, and I, I'm fascinated by older people because there's just so much wisdom there. And, and we had most a, of the ladies you date are, yeah, are very old, over yeah, 90. That, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I prefer with them with a walker. Right. You know, that keeps them slow. Gentle hips. You can't run from me. Gentle hips. <laughs> you, so, know, you, you don't have to perform all that well with those gentle no, hips. No. <laughs> but he said something so just simple. We had, I don't remember what got us on him. He goes, there's just two, two, two types of people. And if you keep this in your mind, you'll be fine. Good and bad. Yeah, and that's it. Right. That is it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. And that was such an amazing conversation. Right. And so I'm reading this um, this study by the University of Michigan. Right. And they say, well, you know, uh, that the purchaser is going to be more concerned about things that speak to them politically, socially, etc. I don't know about that. Okay, what was one of the first commercials that we talked about that came out when the government shut down? Toyota, all right? Here at, was it Toyota or Lexus? It's the same company. But here at Toyota, we soon realized we're not in the car business. We're in the people business. It's like, that's all bullshit, okay? Don't tell me that that somehow appeals to someone. So we're not that stupid, are we? I hope not. The law firms. What do you see on every big law firm? We support diversity and inclusion. Really? How come 95% of your lawyers are old white guys? Okay? (laughs) You support it on your page. All right? Because Mm -hmm. you want to say you support it. So I don't know that consumerism will be defined as probably media giants and other ne'er-do-wells want us to define it by political division, by race, etc., I think it's going to still be defined by value, right? Yeah. And ultimately convenience, those old mm-hmm. things. But I think it's an opportunity right now, post-government shutdown, to really rock and roll, to really get out there and show what you have versus your competitors. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. So uh, let's use that as a transition. Transition because of uh, what Kiwan's... Uh, I won't call it a side hustle because I think it's his main... I always view it as his main job, all right? I always forget that Kiwan is actually a detective with the St. Clair County Sheriff's Office. Is that correct? Up till about almost three months ago, I was in investigations, correct. But I'm back on patrol now. All right, so, oh, wow. so, so tell us first, because I know my wife... And you must have gone to Belleville East together, is that right? She went to East, I went to West. Oh, okay. So yeah. how the heck do you know each other? Church. Oh, okay. So Jill know, knew everybody through church, all right? Yeah. And it wasn't until she started dating me that, um, you know, she wasn't church-based anymore. 
I'm sure mom, <laughs> mom and dad are very thrilled with that, right? But I've stuck around for 21 years, so I guess I've, I've passed some sort of test, right? right? right. Um, at least they know that their daughter is certifiably crazy, <laughs> right? So you knew each other through church, uh, and it's, uh, it's the church that she still goes to, or, or that we go to at least on Easter, uh, right there in Shiloh. Correct. Okay. All right. And, um, and I even, even before then. Oh, even before that. It was the church was located in Washington Park, Illinois, down from my grandmother's house. Okay. And I is your grandmother still with us? My grandma passed away last year. Yeah. Uh, Kiwan's grandma. Um, she, I think, liked me because she liked Jill. Okay. <laughs> but I would go in there. Uh, into uh, Tower View, correct? Uh, Baptist Church in Shiloh, and her smile would light up the room, and she'd give me a hug like I was her grandson. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, she was a a genuine and and sweet lady for sure. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, and I will say this about. The Baptist Church, and I don't know if this is Baptist in general, but certainly about this church, is this is friendships that are created. Unlike high school, many times you know people in high school, and then you know you never see them again. Yeah, you see them at reunions, and mm-hmm. you see them on Facebook. This is a church where people create lifetime relationships, a community. So, oh, without a doubt, yeah. and. We were the first black family to join. It was Rosemont Baptist Church. Okay. Before they moved from this lo- location in Washington Park and moved to Belleville, we were the first black family to join that church because n- none of the ladies in my family drove. So, and we were j- all we had to do was just walk right down the street. Amazing. Yeah. And so, Jill's mom and dad. I think their best friends, the McMillans, they knew from church. All of those. Yes. Right. And you and Jill are still friends. Jill and Shannon. Ludi, who then married Jeff McMillan, all right, Correct. yeah, and everybody knew each other Jeff, through right. church, right? right. Um, still friends, yes, yeah, right? and that's, that's fantastic, yeah. right? That's and that's unusual, as we know. Friends are friends are funny things, right? Um, you seem really close, and then it evaporates in an instant. Absolutely. That's human relationships right. though, right? right? Anybody who's been married before knows that human relationships are fragile things, right? Right. right. Because when you said to that first person, I will love you for the rest of my life, you could never imagine where this might end up. It's like, well, that that Oops. didn't last, right? Oops, right? Exactly. Oops. All right, so you knew each other through church. This is when you were pretty young kids, right? Yeah. Um, so Jill's mom and dad's probably known me since I was probably four or five. Four or five. That's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. And um, so, but you were going to different schools, but obviously you guys saw each other Sunday and church was part of your life, which it was for me when I was a kid. That mm-hmm. was, it was school, friends, family, and church. church Those were right. the four, right. you know, the four kind of stable things in, in your life for sure. Um, but when you got out of high school, then I want to track first your path from high school to 
uh, I'll call it your daytime gig, although I've seen you late at night. I know that sometimes you're you're doing patrol late at night. Right. Uh, but how do you go from high school to wanting in the first place to be a cop, even though when you started doing that, cop was not a dirty word, right? And I only say that because I can't stand uh, what the actions of a few bad apples uh, have sometimes labeled uh, cops in general. It's completely unfair, for Mm -hmm. sure. But how do you go that path? What is that path? Well, believe it or not, I started my passion before I even became a cop. Okay. At the age of 15. Okay, tell us about that. So, um, mom gets sick. Um, there needs to be some money in the house. It's my brother and my sister. So we, there's three siblings, and my mom's single by this time. Okay. Um, I get a job at a place called the Antique House. Um, the building still stands at 3701 uh, West Main in Belleville. Yes, the Antique House. And uh, that was around until... Ooh, probably I probably worked there almost five years. Okay, yeah. And was it a was it a bar and restaurant? Correct. Yes, yes. I remember it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right past North Belt West, or no? No, no. Uh, across from Deal's Floors, Old Deal Floors, I think was right across the street from them. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, so you're 15 years old, and you're out there for all the right reasons. You're trying to make money to support the family. Right. If I wanted things yeah. that my friends had, guess what? Yeah. It's foot on the ground. I had to go get it. Amazing. So sat, one Saturday, I'm in there cooking. Yeah. Uh, there were some guys that were in there, some older guys playing Pinochle yeah. on a Saturday. Yeah. Hey, we want something different to eat. Hmm. I'm 15 years old. I don't, yeah. you know, you guys want some <laughs> barbecue. They was like, barbecue? I was like, yeah, I can do it. They was like, you can? From that day, I was named Mr. Barbecue. That's amazing. Great. 15 years old. Three years older than Nick is. Yeah. That's pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. So where did you, was this a natural skill that you kind of, some people just know what's going to taste good together. I, you know what? It was a natural skill. I never, I mean, besides <laughs> seeing the ladies in my family in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, you know, my grandma, back when she was younger as well, she helped run a barbecue stand. So I guess it was almost like it was okay. embedded in me yeah. from, yeah. The, from you, the get-go. But you were you had to be watching. I mean, you know. It's never went to the restaurant. Never went to, Never watched her cook at all it, at the place, her place of business she was working at. Never been there. I couldn't even tell you where it was at. But, huh. you know, again, uh, you know, some people are naturals when it comes to knowing how to put stuff together that tastes good. Right. And some people are definitely not not naturals right, at right, it, right? Right, right? For sure. So at 15 years old, now you're creating your own, I, I won't call them dishes, okay? But, but you kind of are, okay? Because you're determining the direction of that particular kitchen. Correct. What did the owners think of that? They, they couldn't believe it. <laughs> and rest, both of them rest their soul. Right. Uh, they were like they were like dads to me because I mean I really didn't have a male figure yeah. in my life. Sure. So uh, one was a politician, one was a uh, a business agent for for local labor union. Okay. Um, and they just let me run with it. So, nice. That is really interesting. So, but it was a guy by the name of Kevin McDonald who was bartending at the time who named me Mister Barbecue. Ah, funny. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so fifteen years old, you're working how many hours a week? I don't know. Yeah. Because I was leaving school. Like when most kids were going to football games, basketball games. You're working. I'm, I was walking down the street to get, get to work. work. That's amazing. And how long did you work at the antique house? I think I was at the antique house probably four, maybe 
four and a half years before they sold to a different to a different company. So now you're in your twenties, and uh, and what what's happening in addition to you cooking at uh, the antique house, becoming Mister Barbecue? Uh, what's happening outside of that environment? So. Um, my ultimate goal was to go to cooking school, go into culinary school, okay. be a chef. Sure. I've been doing it. Yeah. It, you know, at that time, the money that I was making was pretty good. So sure. I'm thinking if I go get this degree, yeah. I can make even more money of doing course. it. Of course, yeah. So um, I don't know what year, when it happened, a uh, cousin of mine gets killed in the housing projects in East St. Louis. Oh, man. So at that time, that's when I decided I want to be a police officer. Oh, wow. 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 So this is very personal to you. Oh, very much yeah. so. Yeah. And so you're thinking Culinary Institute, your cousin gets killed, and now you're saying, uh, I want to be a cop, and, and it should be obvious what I'm going to ask, I want to be a cop, fill in, fill in the blank, because why? I thought I could make a difference. Yeah. Good. I think that's why most people become cops, right. isn't it? Right. I think that's absolutely. why people are cops. I think that's why people go in the military yeah. and things yeah, like absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But also, when someone says, because I think I can make a difference, it is a le- that is a legacy builder, okay? A legacy builder is someone who's not thinking about themselves and how can I better myself. It's how can I leave this earth? I know that sounds morbid, but how can I make a difference, right? right? <laughs> when I'm gone, right, how many lives have I impacted? Have I made a difference? Right. Or right. Did I, was I just taking up space? What is it they say, Deutscher? eulogy versus your resume. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. What are they going to put on your headstone? Right. Yeah, right. right. Oh, what did you say you were going to put on my headstone? Do you remember? It was something that wasn't very <laughs> very nice. <laughs> All right, so... Oh, I think I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. It was something not nice. He's a very funny guy. That's why he's... He can't have a microphone. It wasn't the Nazi quote, was it? I can't remember. <laughs> All right. So I have German heritage, all right? That was Riley, all right? Yeah. We're watching The Sound of Music, all right? And Riley, who's uh, very witty as well. Clever, yes. All right? Yeah. We're, watching, we're watching Sound of Music, and in one scene, the Nazis march into Austria, all right? And Riley just says under her breath, here come dad's people. It's like, <laughs> I don't think those are my people just because I have some German heritage, for Christ's sake. All right. So these are my kids. That's great. All right. All right. So you decide that you're going to be a cop, but there's a problem. You're a cook. Right. So how do you get there? So um, I end up getting hired at Washington Park Police Department. Okay. My grandma buys me my first gun. Wow. Which I still have. Um, and what and gun was that? Because we it was a uh, oh, we like guns. Yes, we. Yeah, I don't even know. Huh? But you have semi-automatic have revolver. No semi-automatic. Semi-automatic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm on the streets of one of the most dangerous cities in the, the country. Yeah. She bought you a gun in part because as a cop you need one. But Correct. number two, she says I got to protect my my grandson. Right. I'm yeah. the oldest grandson, so yeah. I was kind of the favorite. Absolutely. Right. Right. <laughs> and yeah. were you getting pushback from your? Your grandmother and your family about uh, doing this? Not really. No. They were, I mean, as of today, they are very they are very proud of me. That's yeah. Good. Um, I mean, becoming a policeman back then to becoming a policeman now, 
Totally two different worlds. And what, what year, year was this? What year yeah. was this? Yeah. Oh, man. So I've been in law enforcement 28 years. So before Damn. becoming a policeman, at the age of 19, I got hired at the St. Clair County uh, Detention Center. So my foot's in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So and as soon as I turned 21. Where is the detention center? Same place. at uh, In Belleville. Um, 906 West Main, I think, something like that. Oh. Lebanon Avenue. Oh, okay. Road. Yeah. So it's not, as I drive 64 towards St. Louis... To the right is Washington Park, and to the left is there something. What is that? That's, that's a, a state prison. Oh, it's a state oh, prison. Used to, used to be a high school. Yes. Oh, uh. Used to be Assumption High School. Oh, that was Assumption High School. Yeah. State prison, that's a big deal, yeah, right? It's, it's medium. Oh, medium. medium. These are guys who are getting ready to get out. I got you. So they're, tra- they're kind of transitioning back to coming into I got you. you society. Know, society. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah. so it's active. It's very active. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got hired in Washington Park. Wow. Uh, a very dangerous city. I assume it's still dangerous today. Absolutely. Okay. I don't think yeah. anything's changed. No. Uh, and, but you got hired. What did you have to do to get hired? At that point, just, just be willing hired. to show right? up. Just show up. I mean, be willing to be a cop in right, Washington exactly. Park. Because, I mean, for a city like that, you know, you're not getting your high school or college graduates that are coming out down there because they do play very low. Right. Because of there's really no the tax revenue. base, yeah. no revenue coming in. Right. So guys that are starting there, yeah, they're getting their foot. But once you've worked there and you've gained the knowledge on sure. how to be a policeman, the sure. streets teach you how to be a policeman. Sure. Reading it in a book, yes, I understand you got to go to police academy. Yeah. A lot of police departments want you to have a associates or a bachelor's degree or yeah, a master's yeah, yeah. degree. Check this box, check that yeah. box. Sure. The streets teach you how to be the police. Absolutely. I, I can imagine. So working well, I there. I can't imagine, actually. And I know guys, and there are guys who've been in it 30, 40 years who started in Washington Park. Oh, so wow. it's almost a tr- it's almost like a training. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a base. You if know I can do right? it in Washington Park, I can sure as hell do it. You can do it anywhere else, right? <laughs> All right. So, how long were you in Washington Park? Um, I was in Washington Park probably. Oh man, probably maybe four years, three or four years. Uh, but at the time, I ended up getting a, a part time job, a full time job. Because I was only working part time uh, Washington Park, I was got a full time job at the East Carondelet Police Department. Okay, East Carondelet. Where is that? That I, is south. Okay, um, right so next to the River Dupo, East Carondelet area. Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. I, I'm driving down that way, and I don't ever. That's funny. I I know Cahokia. I south know south of Cahokia. Interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, it's a small little town. Yeah. I mean, so it, you're working two jobs right. as a cop. Right. What happens to your cooking? What happens to that? And that's how it kind of took a backseat to everything because guess okay. what? I'm in my profession now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know. You're in your profession and my guess is it's, it's pretty damn stressful. But I don't know it though. Oh, because you're young. Because I'm young. Yeah. yeah. Goes back I'm to excited. What, yeah. I'm, you yeah. Know, Going home, getting four, five, six hours of sleeping. Hey, they need somebody to work 12-hour shift. Guess You're what? Ready. I'm, I'm, I'm your guy. Yeah. You know, I've said that. You know, you have these young men that go into the military, and they're 18, 19 years old, and you yeah. can tell them run up behind that rock and shoot over there at those guys. You yeah. tell a 40-year-old to do that, we're like, kiss my ass. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. So right. you're so right. You, right. Were you, was, that an, was that paid by the hour? Oh, absolutely. Oh, it was. It was probably about $7, $8 an hour. Good. Wow. Jesus. But wow. guess what? I was a cop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you were. 
And, and, and you're it, loving it. Yeah. Loving it. All right. So now you're working two jobs as a cop. You're, you're cooking. Uh, the barbecue is taking a back seat. Um, how do you go from there to where you, I assume, you spent most of your career as a cop with the sheriff's office? Or is that no. not correct? So, you know. So I end up leaving Washington Park. East Cron- I get hired on full-time East Cronolette. Okay. Um, through the ranks, become a lieutenant. Age of 23, I owned my first restaurant with some partners. Oh. Jeez. In, 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 in Cahokia. Okay, but, but this is a transition. Now, you're a full-time cop, so now it feels more stable, does it? Yes. Is it salaried? Yes. Now? Okay, so now you got a salary. It is more stable. But what makes you say, okay, now, now I, I want to go back to, not go back to, but... I want to bring this barbecue and specifically to to establish a restaurant. How does that happen? It was some it was some friends of mine's idea because they I mean they knew I knew how to barbecue, so they okay. was like, "Hey, why don't we open a little small place?" And that's what we did. Okay, so so you're the guy who's going to make it run because right. you're the guy who's going to create the right. food. Yes, all right, but they're going to invest. I Correct. Assume. There you go. Okay, and what restaurant was that? That was Mister Barbecue's Rib Shack. And where was that at? One hundred two Jerome Lane. 102 Jerome Lane in Cahokia. In Cahokia. All right. And how did that how did that go? First year in business, we we were only we were open, only open uh 4 days a week. Okay. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. We brought in $375,000. Wow. For wow. Cahokia. Yeah. For Thursday through Sunday. Wow. Right. But, you know, and it was two blocks, maybe three blocks off of uh uh <coughs> Mississippi Avenue. So, I mean, ton of traffic coming from St. Louis, sure. just heading south, or people going to St. Louis. So, it was pretty. It was so you unbelievable would, to me. It so so it was established through word of mouth that hey, this is the place to go to get good. Yeah, because there wasn't really social media back then, you know. Yeah. Hmm. And tell me about tell me about the barbecue, okay? Because I'm not an expert in it. I know what tastes good to me and what doesn't taste good. I know dry rub. I know, you know, I know there's different Amazing. styles, okay? And I know there's, you know, great smoked meat and then other people grill and whatever. Tell me about the style of barbecue that you're um, producing. I tell people my, my, my style of cooking is old school. Okay. You understand? Um, the way that I was fed is the way I cook. Okay. You understand? Yeah. So, um, we're going to season well. Yeah, it may be, it may not be the best cut of meat, but it's going to be the, it's going to taste like a million dollars to you. Yeah, yeah. You understand. Right. And my thing is, if I if I I want you to smell it before you eat it. Right. So that's right. it. I mean, that's how I cook. Back then, I didn't know about all these mesquite wood and yeah. hardwood oak. Oh, use peach. Use I get I cooked over whatever I the people brought me. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right. That's what well, I did. But that is interesting because I was raised in the '60s. And the 70s, uh, graduated high school in 1980, and my mom and dad weren't loaded, and my dad was real cheap, all right? So we we never got the best cut of meat, right? All right? right. But mom made it taste good. She right. found a way to make it taste Absolutely. good, right? And hell, our, our steaks, when we were lucky enough to get steak, were usually fried. Yeah. Yeah. Fried in a skillet. Yeah, yeah. Right. All right. That's, yeah. that's Chicken okay. fried steak. That's yeah. the way we ate. Yeah. Tasted good to me. Right, right. There's nothing wrong with it. All right, so that was your first restaurant venture. Um, but uh, obviously, because where your restaurant is today, there's steps in between that were missing. So where did you go from that? So from Cahokia, 
um, therefore a while it just fell all the way off. Okay. So I'm just I'm just copping. By this time I'm at Centerville Police Department. Yeah. Copping, making nine dollars eighty four cent an hour, and guess what? That was late, late thirteen years ago, fourteen years ago. That wasn't that long ago. That no. was yesterday. Yeah. Eighty four. And yeah. Hour, and people still don't believe it. Yeah. And I'm here to yeah. So uh, I get hired at Centerville. On a Friday, I go and talk with the chief of police. He tells me, on, hey, if you want the job, come back Monday. I come back Monday, because guess what? I'm the police. Yeah, yeah. right. So at Centerville Police Department, um, XYZ, I'm there four or five years. Apply at the Sheriff's Department, okay. right, which I'm at now. Yeah. Um, this is St. Clair County Sheriff's Department. Correct. Okay. Been there almost in February, be 14 years. Uh, the first one or two years, we were having some union discussions, labor problems, and oh. 12 of us, maybe 13 of us get laid off. Oh. It was gut-wrenching because oh. I wasn't just working patrol because we only work 14 days a month on patrol. Yeah. I was working secondary, working for Metrolink, working security. Okay. So, you know, I'm hand-in-hand. I go from working uh, 60 hours a week to uh, working uh, nothing. Uh, mm. To the point, you know, my my, That's my punch guy, the guy. The guys, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Especially to a guy like me who's the work uh, ethic was there when he was fifteen. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so now it's talk about turning your world upside down. Yeah, I mean, it was to the point. I was I was so embarrassed. I wouldn't even go apply for unemployment. And these people at the unemployment office were waiting for us. They were uh, my friends had already gone. It took me thirty days before I went and applied for unemployment. Listen to what Kiwan is saying, yeah. and we talked about prize. This. Pride, and, and also, it's more than that. Pride indicates maybe something that is egotistical, okay? Kiwan, uh, and, and again, I'm, I'm not a psychoanalyst, but when his family needed dough at 15, he said, well, this is in part my responsibility, right? And, and we've talked about that. It's like... I don't understand people who don't feel that it's my responsibility to work. It's my responsibility to produce. It's my responsibility to be useful. That isn't saying you got to be a cop or you got to be a lawyer or you got to be a doctor. It's just how can you sit around? Okay. Because something inside of me goes, dude, this is on you. All right, right, get out there and, and, and do something. I don't care if you're digging a damn ditch, but right. do something. Right. All right, so this is a gut punch for sure. Okay. It was a un it, the the and I don't even know this, but all of these jobs were union jobs or well, no? Because we it was contract. Okay. Problems. Oh, okay. So we were working secondary for Metrolink. So the only, the only way we were allowed to or we were able to work that job is because we were certified police, police officers. officers. Oh, okay. So yeah. us being laid off, yeah. we don't have that option to do that. Yeah, right. you don't qualify now. No. Oh, okay. I mean, it was gut-wrenching, but I mean, some of my friends, I mean, I would call. He was, he was like, oh, I'm down here in Florida. I, 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 I still can't stand him today because he, you know. But it was gut-wrenching. It was <laughs> yeah. life-changing for me from, yeah. you know. And it was the longest two and a half months of my life. Uh, but I had to clean his house probably in a 10-block radius. Yeah, right? You keep me busy. I, I get out. I work. Got up. Work out. Yeah. Clean. Took yeah. a nap. Worked out again. Went and drank. That's what I did for, that's what I did for two and a half months. Wow. At least he had some dough put, put but aside. While in that two and a half months, 
people start calling me. Hey, can you cook this? Can you cook that? Ah. Can you cater this? Can you cater that? Like, it was like out of nowhere. Yeah. But when I say out of nowhere, I'm not a Bible thumper by any means at yeah. all. Yeah. But I know where my help comes from. Yeah. It was all God to me. You huh. understand? Yeah. And I, I, I'm 46 years old, and I'll yeah. tell anybody this to their face. It was God to me. Yeah. He's the one who got me back, my yeah. footsteps, back into this catering thing, which is where I'm at today. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So two and a half months... And then what? What at the end of two and a half months? Two back. Hey, oh. you guys can come back to work. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. I'm, you know. And okay. Thanks and, for that, that vacation, but. Yeah. So St. Clair County Sheriff, the jurisdiction of that obviously is St. Clair County. But what does that mean? We're, so we are responsible or we, we patrol right. almost 700 square miles. We're the second biggest county. Outside of Cook County and state of Illinois. Oh, wow. So when I get hired there, there's seven or eight patrol deputies on a shift and two supervisors. Okay. So, I mean, and. But you know, your immediate territory is like where to where, just general. So let's say Collinsville. Okay. To uh, Marissa. Oh, that's pretty big. And then let's say go East Crondelette to Summerfield. And then wow. how does that work? Priority, if that—that's probably not the right term. But you got your St. Clair County Sheriff, but then you got the local uh, community uh, police department. So most most uh, communities have uh, locations, houses that are not uh, uh, unincorporated areas. Okay, that's what we're responsible for. Those, I got you. those those houses, those businesses. That's what we handle. Hmm. Okay, yeah, and they got the cool they got the cool SUVs too. The Ford. Yeah. Uh, Explorers. Explorers. Yes. Right. That, and I, the can, bra- that the, I can fit in. Right. And the bra- <laughs> but you guys used to have the, the white ones, but now you've got the brown ones. No, we, have, brown- we still have white ones. We have white ones, oh, but they're oh. different striping on them now. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Those are the ones that are always hanging behind me. So <laughs> for me to make a mistake. <laughs> so during this time, are you still doing some cooking then once you go back to work? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It so just, it is a, it's at a, this now point, it doesn't it, stop. It doesn't stop. Okay. It doesn't stop. So, um, 2017, a guy by the name, he owned a business in Smithton. Um, he comes to me and tells me his kitchen is available. He doesn't want to deal with it. Come in and do what I want. He thinks barbecue, and uh, he was bringing a lot of live bands in. So, that that's when I made the decision to open in Smithton, uh, and that's where Jill and I had our um, uh, wedding reception in uh, the Smithton Hall or Turner Hall, Smithton Turner, Turner Hall. Hall. That's yes. right. Yep. Um, so where was this restaurant in Smithton? Right across the street from Turner Hall. Oh, okay. Smithton Turner Hall. Was it? Uh, was there like a little L? Uh, was it like a little retail strip or no? Well, there was reta- so between Turner Hall and that retail strip, I was across the street on the other side of one fifty nine. Okay. All right. We were at Smitty's. It was the old okay. uh, BFW oh, that and, huh. the kitchen was. So. And how? And obviously that went over pretty well. Oh, it was so unbelievable. It, yeah. It was, I, was, I would probably still have that kitchen had that business still been there. And, uh, and why is it, and, and I assume it's because the job's good, but why is it that you didn't uh, at any point, and maybe you did, say, well, why don't I just be a full-time restaurateur? Because I needed my insurance and want my pension. Exactly. Sure. I mean, I at it. this point, I'm getting older. Yeah. I mean, I 
I can't just throw my pension away. Right. You know what I'm saying? No, you know, of course And not. I still get friends that ask me, they're like, why are you at work? I'm like, insurance and pension. Well, I'm like, I'm too close to it now. It's huge. Right, it is. It's huge. Right. Yeah. Most people don't get a pension. That's number one. Right. And the health insurance is when you don't have it that you need it, right. that you realize right. how right. hard I, I mean, even though I'm just 46, I have some health issues, so, you know, sure. I keep my thumb on it. You well, know? and you don't know. You don't know when a health issue is going to pop up. Absolutely. Right? All of a sudden, you're in an accident or, right. or something like that. Right. All right. So... Uh, the restaurant from Smithton now to Waterloo, okay? And Waterloo is an up-and-coming community. I, it's a drive uh, from Belleville, but Waterloo has got these, uh, and I don't know if they're true microbreweries. I think they are. But we went up there for uh, dinner uh, it was years ago, uh, probably five years ago. And I couldn't believe all of these entrepreneurs are establishing these areas in, in Waterloo, or these yeah. businesses in oh, Waterloo. It's grown so much since I've been there. So one Saturday uh, afternoon, the, uh, part of the ownership group for the uh, golf course Mystic Oak, which is located yeah. in Waterloo, okay. they come and they inform me that their restaurant, bar, banquet areas is going to come up soon. And yeah. we want, they need somebody to run it or Wanting yeah. to run it. Yeah. So your I, name's out there. Everybody oh, yeah. knows you. There's some people that only know me by Mr. Barbecue. That's great. I mean, they don't, I mean, they, they'll call me Keyshawn, Keon, Kevin, <laughs> Ray J. I mean, but okay. if you say Mr. Barbecue, Mr. people, Barbecue. Every, there's only one Mr. Barbecue out there. By the, by the way. And his name sticks from 15. Yeah. yeah. By absolutely. the way, you got to remind people. Well, maybe you don't, you don't want to. His email address is. Barbecue Cop 1. <laughs> it's hilarious. I love yeah. it. So the, the ownership group comes out. Hey, we got the space available. Yeah. What do you think about coming out? Well, let me come out and take a look at it. Yeah. Now, I'm this poor kid from Washington Park. Yeah. Possibly going to have a restaurant on the golf course. Yeah. That's cool. That's, I like that. I mean, so I go out, look at it. We talk numbers. Been there four years. Great. And are they, and I, I don't mean to pry too much, but I, I kind of do because that's what I do. But are they taking a percentage as rent? What do they... I pay a lease. You just pay a lease. That's pay okay. a lease. But they need the restaurant. And I need their, their golfers. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So that restaurant, what are its hours? Uh, so the hours are right now, summertime hours. Um, the restaurant opens at 11 a.m. And Monday, Tuesday, we're up. Well, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, we're open until 8 p.m. And then on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're open to nine. Gosh. But the, the, then we have a bar inside of there. Yeah. Then we have a liquor license till 1 a.m. if we need so. And that liquor huh. license, is it under your company or is it under the golf it's under course? My, it's under my LLC. Oh, okay. Huh. All right. And did you have a liquor license in Smithton no, as well? No, I did not. So all of this is brand new to me. Yeah. So I got to get I got to get food license, which is something that's okay. I know how to do that. Right. Whole another education. So now I got an education with liquor license. Yeah. And and managing in Illinois. The liquor. In Illinois. Yeah. yeah. In Illinois. And I mean, I can tell you about my first uh, beer bill. It was six hundred and sixty-one dollars. I freak out. I called my rep. Hey, man, I didn't order all this beer. I don't know who put this order. He tells me, you know, key one. This is what they're used to selling. This is how it yeah. broke down. Blah blah blah. So I was like, okay. So four years later, here I am. And the way I understand the liquor laws to be in Illinois is there's a couple of hands that got to get fed, a couple of mouths that got to get fed by the time the retailer is selling it. And so when you go to a bar 
and they're selling you a, a glass of scotch for eight bucks, you know, thank your lucky stars that it's only eight bucks. Oh, absolutely. Because a lot of people got fed. Right. I mean, the cities, states got to get their money. The county's got to get their money. And the city's got the city's got to get their money. Right. Then distributors going. They got yep. you. Got to pay them for the liquor. Yeah. Right. And the distributors got to buy it from the. Well, I'm right. not. I'm not kidding you. I've heard that bars and Kiwan. You can tell us if that's true. I've heard that bars spend more for a bottle of Johnny Black than I can get it for. Correct. At some point, but we buy it wholesale. So I mean, right. if, it depends on how many cases we're buying. You know. Right. Volume. Well, yeah, how volume. hard? How hard is it? To manage your workaday world, okay. Now, do your shifts with St. Clair County Sheriff? Does it are they steady or do they, could they change? Well, I work twelve hour shifts, so I work four days one week, three this week, or okay. three for the next week. Well, well, that's, that's, so that's why I only work fourteen days a month, and I'm on days right now, so I work four a.m. to four p.m. Okay, and four a.m. to four p.m. is that when all the craziness starts, or what? It's crazy all the time now. <laughs> is it? I can remember when I first started there. Mondays, Sundays, and Mondays were like our catch-up day reports. Yeah, making sure evidence was put Clerical. in because everything was quiet. Right, not anymore. Wow, and it's crazy from river to river. And why is I mean why is that? You got to well, have a. Theory. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the flexibility of social media for one. Okay, um, a lot more people out there. A lot of kids are growing up faster than we did. Yes, right. you know, see, yes. ten o'clock back in the day when we were growing up, you were in the house. Right, these kids aren't. Wow. Right. You understand? I mean, there's a lot more for them to do. Um, I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's just society today. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But is it, is it, um, are you in constant, uh, are you in constant danger? Okay. I always view a, a cop as someone who is in, I mean, your world can change. Like there's a bullseye on you all the time. Yeah. Do, do you feel that? Well, I, I try not. To, I mean, because it would cop- drive it would drive you crazy. Oh, it will. Most cops don't think like that. I mean, look at look at this young man who was just killed in Brooklyn this past week. Yeah, I mean, twenty four years old. Yeah, got his whole life ahead of him. Yeah, he never thinks about he's him not making it back to Carbondale no. or Southern Illinois. Right. Right? Of course, or this or this twenty eight year old Chicago police officer rest her soul. She never thinks about not coming back home to see right. her two month old baby. Sure. So you don't know your life can change in a matter of seconds from. Uh, being in, uh, pulling a car over or going into a domestic. I yeah. mean, just that. But you, in your mindset, you can't think like that because, like you said, Eric, sure. it will drive you crazy. Yeah. Right. Right. And you won't execute. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, you don't want to I mean, words no, there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you just, you can't, you do that because you freeze up and then it, you your mind's got to be so focused on what you're doing because people don't, they don't have respect for the police like they used to. I, I, I believe that, um, in part due to social media, I believe that people don't have respect, just period. Oh, I agree. For each other. And, I mean, you know, I, country, I, I, say the the ass, I say the asshole test. You know, how many assholes are there out of 10 people? And the way to find out is post something on social media that's political. All right? I don't care whether you say... Uh, hooray for Donald Trump or hooray for Joe Biden. Wait 10 seconds. Yep. All right. And people are ugly to each other. All right. And, uh, you know, I, I've said it and I hate to be too cynical, but 2021 is the year we find out people really suck. Yeah. All right. Right. It, and it's just it's so frustrating that I think it's hurt. It, 
I don't think, I know it's hurting society. Whether we were this way before and somehow kept it in check or whether we're being driven to be this way, it's nasty. Hatred. You know, and for, for, well, I'll give you an example. Years, when I was a kid, you would never see a cop in a bulletproof vest. Never. And now you wouldn't see a cop without one. a bulletproof vest. Right. Right. We're and, mandated to wear them. And yeah. a camera now, too. So yeah. many, right. Some of these departments, you're right. They're forced, yeah. not forced, they're mandated to right. wear cameras. Right. Well, that's forced. We were at the farmer's market in O'Fallon, Illinois. The farmer's market buying flowers and spice. And the two cops there, they got body armor on. Eric, when I went back to, back home where I grew up, 500 people to the yeah. rodeo in June. Yeah, yeah. One of my best friends that I went to high school with is the sheriff of the county. He has a bulletproof vest on. Yeah. In a 500, I mean, this is Lewis County, Missouri. It's tiny. Yeah. He's got a bulletproof. Mm-hmm. All, all three of them had vests on. Yeah. That's sad. It is I, sad. I, I, I always wondered, how messed up is wearing all that gear? Oh, it's, I mean, like yesterday I came home. I mean... I'm drenched from head to toe. Yeah. I mean, Hotter than it, shit. it doesn't matter hot, cold, rain. Well, we, we have to put it on. I mean. And does it does it impact your breathing? I mean, just, no, I, I mean, I'm doesn't. just so used to it now. You it's are. Just, yeah. yeah. You are. I mean, am I still cussing about wearing that vest? Yeah. Or putting those boots on when it's come out of my house at 345 in the morning. It's, yeah. Humidity's at 90%. Yeah. I mean, just got to something that we just do. Look at the gear some of these military guys wear in the middle of the desert. Isn't it something? Right? Yeah. And I can't remember how much more weight it adds to you. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Can't even 20 imagine. 20 plus pounds easily. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, because of the shifts, okay, and my neighbor is a fireman, just made captain, by the way, uh, Joe Brock, um, very nice guy. But he works like... 24 hours on, and then 24 hours off, or something like that. 24 or right. 48. Something yeah, like something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah. Right? And to me, that looks pretty damn good, right? Um, but certainly that uh, is able to at least somewhat help you then manage what has become a pretty big deal, all right? Because you're managing a bar and a restaurant. And and catering service. That is, that is more than a full-time oh, job. Oh, absolutely. But... To answer your question, yeah. I don't know. You're, you got to have good staff. Yeah, you yeah. got to have you got to have people who buy into what you're doing. Right, and that's what. So I have. that's is, great. But but this is a big topic that we've been talking about. How in this post, you know, what government shutdown world, where restaurants are having difficulty finding and keeping good people, mm-hmm. how do you do that? I don't know because we never. From the from the day that you know that the government was shut down, yeah, we never closed our doors. Oh, we just kept going. We just did a ton. When I say ton, yeah, of takeout, a ton of takeout. Yeah, but Shifted, you also pivoted. you also but you also have to have you got to have that product. Yeah. Oh, you got to put a product on. Oh, you got to put yeah. it out there. Yeah. And so this wasn't nothing that we okay. We gotta up. We gotta start doing this better and doing this yeah. better. We were still we we've been. The same way the whole That's time. That's awesome. Good. Good for you. I mean, outside of buying a lot of some more go boxes, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've just been we've just been hitting it. Interesting. So you didn't have you didn't have a downturn. No. Matter of fact, I hired eleven people. 
during COVID. Holy and I think five or six of them are still there. That's awesome. See, listen to that. That's yeah. what, We've ran into this so many times talking to people that refused to lay down during COVID. Right. Yeah, right. And I don't think it was, I think my, it wasn't laying down for me. I refused to fail. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. Good I refused to fail. But that's how I've always been in my life. I mean, I've had to close Smithton. was yeah. not my choice. Yeah. I had a spot in New Athens for a month and a half. Had to close it because people weren't paying their bills. Wasn't, ah. my, wasn't my choice. Ah. But all those steps have left, led yeah. to me being in Waterloo. Yeah. And being very successful in Waterloo. Right. I mean, it's almost, and, you know, you talked about race earlier. Yeah. yeah. When we started. Who'd ever thought this kid from Washington Park. Yeah. Who went to be a policeman making $9.84 an hour would own a very successful business through a pandemic. Right. Be okay. the only black business owner in Monroe County, which is probably 95 to 99% all white. On a golf course. On a golf course. But, I will, but I, will t- I will tell you this, that white or black or yellow or what have you, none of it happens without a work ethic. You worked your ass off. Oh, I, I did. I'm not going to lie to you. And you still do. And I still do. Yeah. How many people, how many is on your staff now? Uh, so right now, kids are getting ready to go back to school. I have I have girls. They're my barbecue divas, I call them, <laughs> that have been with me since they were 16 years old. There's two that came back last year, called me. Hey, we're getting ready to graduate college. Can we come back and work for you? Oh, my I gosh. Love I and love so it. I got, culture. you know. So I got, there's five or six of them who are still with me since they were 16 and there. One's starting to teach this week. Wow. Um, one, it, it's just unbelievable, man. And That's I, cool. And if their parents walked in right now, yeah. there's probably maybe one or two. If their parents walked in right now that I would know them, yeah. their parents literally put me, put them in my hands. That's awesome. And, and basically raised them. And, and I even had one of them said, if I wouldn't have worked for you, I would have known how to work. Because yeah. the, these kids that are graduating college and high school, they, they don't know how to work. Never right. had a because job. Because they're just being sure. handed out things. Yeah, and, that was sure. and I'm glad I wasn't handed out things. Cause guess what? I it agree. makes it more successful. It makes me feel better and more successful because I'm out there grinding, hustling sure. every day. Now, see, this to me sounds like a book. You ever think about writing a book? Somebody told me I needed to, but you know how that is. I think it'd be great. Yeah, I, I do too, right? Because from 15 to Washington Park... To successful restauranteering. Well, yeah. And I'm not going to say I was any, in any danger being raised in Washington Park. My mom took me out of there because she was in a bad marriage when I was in the fourth grade. Uh, so adapting was something all I, you know, even coming to the sheriff's department from from Centerville. Yeah. People asked me, hey, what's the, what's the roughest thing that you've had, you've had to do? Or what's the difference between working in Centerville and working for the county? You just got to be diverse. Yeah. So me coming Waterloo, yeah. I just had to be more diverse. Yeah, yeah, You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's only been a couple times that I was disrespected. You know, guy asked me, hey, you get you get full-time hours here? I'm like, full-time hours? I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> right, right. Hey, do they pay you well? And I figured it out. He thought I was just a cook. Oh, oh my gosh. Sir, I, I'm the owner. <laughs> what? Oh, my I'm, gosh. I'm the owner. Yeah. So... And no, I don't get paid very well. well no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> no, no, I don't. You're exactly right. But I want to. But I want to talk. I want to talk about some weighty issues for sure, uh, because because I know I I can talk about those with Kiwan. No one's going to get offended or what have you. Uh, but that reminds me of a story with uh, with Jill uh, and uh, her lake business. All right, she asked me to take a propane tank to one of the renters. All right. 
and I got a tank top on and probably haven't showered for two days, right? And uh, so I'm a lawyer, right? My regular day gig, right? And I take a, a propane tank to the renter and uh, he goes, uh, well, Jill, uh, she seems to be a, a decent boss, is she? And I go, yeah, she's she's okay, all right? And uh, he goes, uh, well, can she, uh, you know, she's she's pretty firm, right? Can she, you know, be kind of a you know, rough, rough boss. I said, yeah, she can definitely be a rough boss. And uh, he goes, uh, he goes, uh, well, you know, do you like working for her? And I go, well, sometimes I like working for her. Finally, it hits him. He goes, you're her husband, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> he can feel it. Right, right, right. right. But, you know, it, it, people are still in that, that mindset, uh, and I have to brush it off because I am a business owner that, because you're a certain way that you're, you have to be doing that certain job. So, so tell me about that, right? And, you know, I, anybody who says that people don't look at each other differently because they look differently, okay? Right, right. And that's true whether it's black and white. That's true if I'm talking to someone in a wheelchair. Do you, you can't tell me that I don't, there's not something going on in my brain that recognizes that we're different, Correct. okay? Right. Whether it's our skin color or the way we speak or whatever, okay? What is that experience like? In Waterloo, which is a predominantly white town and mm-hmm. a predominantly white uh, county, what is that experience? I mean, what are some of the biggest challenges with respect to that? You know what? I don't. And do you think about it? Do you think there, about there it? There are times that I think about it. Yeah. Um, just because I've had some bad experiences when it's come to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even at the age of 46, you don't think you would feel that way. But I still think about, hey, if I walk in a rural king, or they, is, is there going to be somebody following me around? Or, But now I'm to the point now, mm-hmm. if I go in Schnooks to pick up some lemons because we ran out of lemons, guess mm-hmm. what? I'm in there a half hour because somebody, hey, you're Mr. Barbecue, aren't you? <laughs> you know? Right. So I think... Being there and being a part of the community and being a part of events that are happening in the community yeah. it's gotten to the point that, you know, I my food has, is a barrier breaker. Yeah. Um, and it takes my a good friend of mine, Maurice McMillan, he tells me a long time ago, he said, Kiwan, you're the only black person I know could go to a, a, a Ku Klux Klan rally and the Grand Wizard would stand up and be like, Mr. Barbecue, everybody stand, Mr. Barbecue. <laughs> And that speaks volumes to me. He's being yeah. goofy about it, yeah. but that speaks volumes to me because guess what? He's right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I mean, I've seen some some people that uh, that I know, or yeah, I don't want to use the word racist, but were really in favor of certain dealing with certain certain people. Yeah. You understand? And guess what? They're sitting in my dining room. Yeah. They're, and they've been there one or two times. Now there's three or four. Now his wife's doing an event at my place and wants me to come cook for it. But, you know, again, my feeling is is that whether it's food or just getting to know a person through food or whatever, whatever breaks down that prejudgment that people have of each other is a good thing. Absolutely. You know? And so, you know, even if in the end, whether they're racist or not and whether they're jerks or not, uh, just to have an experience where they're going, okay, well, maybe we're not so different. 
That's a good thing. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I've been I've been on police calls or accidents. Yeah. And I've had people walk up to me and be like, hey, uh, my sister's getting married in, in six months. Can you cater the wedding? I'm like, um, can we get done with this? Can we get this accident taken care of before? And we'll talk about you, the catering part of it later. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can do that. But that speaks volumes to me. Yeah. You understand? That's so, powerful. I mean, it, it's, I mean, even just last weekend, to, yeah, last weekend, some... People that were, uh, our leader of our youth group that me and Jill belong to yeah. at Tyreview Baptist Church, her and her husband brought their friends in to eat. That's awesome. I've had my fifth grade school teacher come in and, and eat. That's my, great. One of my uh, my history teacher plays golf every every other Monday. He's there with his friends playing golf. They're there tonight. Very cool. That's really so, neat. So where does, uh, when are you eligible to draw a pension from uh, the sheriff's department? And will you at that point, and I don't know whether you've thought that far ahead, but will you at that point say, okay, now I can pull my pension out and I can do this restaurant thing on a full-time basis? Three years, six months. Three years and six Maybe months. I haven't thought about it at all. I'll be 50 years old. That's the first. So it's when you get to 50. 50. Okay. And I'll, I'll only have 17 years in, okay. but I can draw. Oh, does your pension get better the more years that you Correct. put in? Right. So if you hit the twenty-year mark, it's probably even more, more lucrative. Right. But I don't want to be there. Yeah, you don't. End. I, yeah. I want to cook. Good. Like Good I, before, you. before I came over here, I cooked a hundred pork steaks before I came over oh, here because wow. we, we ran out yesterday. Oh my gosh. Okay, so let's talk about that. So in in this uh, post fifty environment, you're pulling your pension, which is good because you know, hey, even if the restaurant. Uh, even if something you know bad happens, takes a turn for the worse, I got this pension, right? Uh, where would you like to see that restaurant business then go? Grow. So um, at this point, I can literally tell you just by the dining room part of our, we've outgrown it. Okay. I mean, there's times we do have people waiting. There's times we've had to open the banquet room, which is on the second level of the golf yeah. course. We've had to take our overflow for dinner or even for wow. lunch and put them upstairs. I yeah. would like to have another uh, restaurant. It may not even have to be all uh, based on barbecue, sure. but a bigger rest, bigger sit-down restaurant yeah. is what, the, what, what I'm looking for. Is there room to expand out there? No, no, no. not at all. And I, and I love those people. I will never, I will, they've all made it, almost made it impossible for me to leave. Sure. Because the ownership owners have come to me and, and, and told me, how good a job did me and my that, staff have done there? That's awesome. Which makes me feel very good. You know right. what I'm saying? I mean, we're four years into this. Sure. If four years you should ask me that, I would, I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, you've become a very valuable part of why people go to the golf course. Absolutely. Right? Because if, if, if you know, we have, uh, we live at the orchards and, you know, the clubhouse is okay as mm -hmm. far as food is concerned. But it's nice to be able to go up to the clubhouse, and if you go to the clubhouse and get an average meal, we go up there for fish or whatever, mm -hmm. you're now in that environment, Correct. and you're thinking about golf or thinking about the driving range or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a valuable thing, oh, for sure. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, very cool. All right, so, so we look forward to it. I don't know if people truly, and I hope that they do, understand what Kiwan's journey has been. All right, that fifteen-year-old cooking in uh, the antique house—that uh, was just—that was light work compared to where he went next, Washington Park. All right, 
the fact that he even got out of Washington Park at all. My guess is there were a number of fatalities over the course of the years uh, with respect to cops in Washington Park. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, a, this is a rough scene. And it's not like Centerville's any picnic either. No. I mean, it was a lot better, but no. Yeah. And now he's in St. Clair <laughs> Right, but it's all it's all been learning steps, though. Right, all learning steps. I remember getting hit in the head in Washington Park oh. because some guys they pissed me off and used excuse my language was so bad. I went in a rush in, right, get hit in the head. And my my partners were like, "What are you doing?" They just you know, right, and right. But the willingness to continue to work and to continue to build, even when many people would say that's enough for me, right, right. I mean yeah. that's that's a huge lesson to learn right. for sure. I mean, there's so many people that just. That they just want to do forty hours a week, mailing in. Yep, I'm going in that's at nine. Not, I'm leaving at five. That's not good enough for me. So I, I mean, that's I think that's why well, we Ke- all do what we Ke- do. Keon may be doing this when he's seventy. Absolutely. I mean, because he loves that part of the that part of your life. And I think that's why I didn't close down when the pandemic, when yeah. everybody else did. I was responsible for all those employees that I had. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had a couple who thought we were going to, and they were disgusted when we didn't. Yeah. But. They kept coming to work. Sense of responsibility, driving his employees to adopt the same sense of responsibility. Right. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Right. You most of them were, were all young, and they were all kids. You're exactly awesome. right. Yeah. Very wow. good. Yeah. All right. So, Kiwan, remind everybody where they can find you on the web and where they can find you physically. Uh, on the web, we are at Mr. Barbecue at mysticoak.com. Um, I'm also the same, Mr. Barbecue Cop One on Instagram, and you can find me at six four three Ridge Road every day, All Monday, right. Sunday through Saturday at Mr. Go Golf Course. <laughs> All right, awesome guys! It's it's worth going out to, and and I will tell you this: you will not meet a nicer guy than Kiwan Guyton. Go go support his restaurant, please. Kiwan, thank you so much. Thank you guys.